Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Spotlight Series. This is the show where we choose a genre every month, and then we choose some of the best, not really the worst, but you know, some of the kind of meh of that genre, and we review them. So it is Greg and I tonight. Katie is out on vacation, having a great time without me. It's all right. It's all right. I'm eating a lot of food that she don't like, so it equals out. So Greg and I, we picked a war film, an epic war film from 1957. Now, it's based on a 1952 novel, The Bridge on the River Kwai. Now, I was looking up some stuff about this movie, Greg. It's absurd, like the background of it. This film is in that list of one of the greatest films ever made. And a lot of people, uh, well, back in the day, there's that list is probably absurd now, but a lot of actors coming around this time, they thought this movie was the shit and it could not get any better from there. It's absurd. This, this was a great movie. I don't know if it's the best movie ever, but I absolutely enjoyed it. So essentially they thought it was the, the peak of cinema. Yeah. Like hmm. the the music, the cinematography, the acting. I will say the acting is absolutely bonkers. There are some really good actors in this movie. The story had its moments that I just kind of shook my head at. Like, I, I just don't get it. I'm not English. I just, that's absurd. But uh, it was still pretty darn good. Back in 1997, this film was added to the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress to be culturally historically aesthetically significant so it is there's a copy and they keep it hidden not hidden but it's just keeping it safe so people in the future can check this movie out now it was initially scripted by carl foreman a screenwriter and then michael wilson helped out but the writers had to work in secret because they were on the hollywood blacklist so people thought they were communists so (laughs) they wrote this screenplay and then they just passed it off to the actual author of the book so the academy award originally was for pierre uh uh bouet bouyer i think it's bouyer so he won the academy award but then later they realized that oh you didn't write this technically he's like yeah y'all thought them dudes were communists so they like ran off like oh (laughs) and so many years later they got it but it was after they died. So uh, one of them did not know that he won the award. And then the other one died, I think, a week later after learning that he got the award. So, but uh, this movie's really good. It has Alec Guinness. Now, for folks that don't know, Alec Guinness, that, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's not the not the one that looks like Jesus. It's the one from the original movie. The, the, the one that ain't really good at fighting with the lightsaber against Darth Vader. So uh, it was cool. When I heard his voice, I was like, damn, I sound like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, oh, shit, it is. (laughs) Uh, Tons of actors were running for the part, especially uh, William Holden's part. Uh, He played Commander Shears. Uh, Cary Grant was one name, but uh, a lot of people didn't want to sit in the jungle and sweat, (laughs) sweat like a Hebrew slave for a couple of months. So a lot of people said no. I want to say Orson Welles was on that list of people that wanted to be in this movie, but they were like, eh, it's kind of hot. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> was this actually filmed in uh, Burma? Uh, Th- yes. Thailand? Uh, actually, I believe, let me make sure, uh, it was filmed in Sri Lanka. Ah. And so the bridge was filmed 
uh ooh, I'm gonna fuck that up. Kitulgala. Kitulgala. So Greg, I don't know if you looked up uh anything about this film because I remember the last one we did uh with Sisu, there's a little bit of truth to this. Now, this film was actually based kinda on truth. There was a bridge. There were actually two bridges that were built, and the people that were forced to build on it were trying to sabotage it the whole time. Now, depending on who you talk to about this, all the survivors, uh, they have to be gone now, but their family, they're not the biggest fan of this movie because it kind of downplayed what they had to do. They said approximately 13,000 prisoners of war died and were buried along the railway and estimated 100,000 civilians died in the course of the project being made. So they outsourced their workers. They were just like from Malaysia and the Dutch East Indies and Thailand and Burma. And they would just snatch people up and force them to work on the two bridges. Now, there was a colonel, Philip Tusi, of the British Army. And he was kind of like the Nicholson of the real world. Now, he didn't want to work on this bridge, but he made it seem like he wanted to, and he actually helped his soldiers sabotage the shit out of these bridges. Uh, apparently, they would collect termites and then like it just plant them into the wood of the bridge. So later on, if anything heavy got on it, it would just fall apart. Uh, they mixed up concrete terribly. They did everything they could to make sure these bridges were ass, but uh, if you check out the bridges, they're still made. And I think after the war, uh, sections were um, rebuilt. So uh, it's, I don't know, it's weird with like the past and things being made. Like that's like legit made from slavery. But people think it's, you know, significant enough to stay up. Uh, I don't know. I'd have torn it down, but I don't know. That's not my country. So I don't. I don't know. It seems kind of weird to keep it up, but I can see it either way. In one sense, it's symbolic as to, you know, keeping in mind the toils that those people went through. Just a reminder. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That history side of it, like, yeah, like it makes sense to keep this thing up, but ugh, a lot of people died making it. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah I feel the same way about fucking plantations and those gigantic houses, you know, I'm like, ah, I'd blow them up, but you know, I don't have the money to pay for them. So yeah, apparently they give tours of those places. Oh, fuck yeah. that, man. Nah, that ain't it. So, uh, Greg, what did you think about the bridge on the River Kwai? That actually, I actually kind of know. First, want to know what you th- thought about it. And oh, then oh, see I if it first. lines <laughs> lines up with me because you, when we checked each other, checked up on each other's status as far as how far we got into it since we had to break it up into our own personal episodes, you said. Did you say it was maddening? Yeah. In the first 40, 50 minutes. So I wanted to see where you were at and why, because I, I I might have felt the same exact way for the same reasons. So I just wanted to check and see why you felt that way to, to initially. Yeah, this movie. Uh, so the text that I sent Greg, it said, uh, it's a great movie. Absolutely maddening, but cool story. Now, uh, earlier in this, uh, the review, I said that uh this movie and i'll kind of spoil what i wanted to say later but uh the main point of this movie it's not about the war it's not about fighting it's about honor and how different cultures deal with this honor some people 
are ready to kill themselves for it. Some people want to live and they, you know, they will do whatever it takes to get out because they don't really give a shit about honor. And some people will team up with the quotation mark bad guys to build something. And and it kind of blew my mind that the British, the English in this movie, well, the higher ups, they were like, oh, we could build this bridge, you know, and they were all about following the rules of war. And, you know, it's the earlier wars. There were no rules. People made chemical bombs and things that would just absolutely melt you. Trench warfare sucked ass. Now, at a certain point, uh, we got the Geneva Convention and things changed. You can't be that evil in war. And it's it was crazy to see this English major or colonel just constantly hold up this little piece of paper saying the, the Geneva, Geneva Convention, I have a copy in my back pocket. Like, you can't do this, this, and that. I'm like, who the fuck is policing this piece of paper? No one gives a shit out in the jungle like this. So it just blew my mind that this movie, one of the stories, there's multiple stories that happen, just you know, concurrent, but one giant story is the people forced to build the bridge, but at a certain point, they're not really forced. It seems to be like they want to build this and they're like proud of it. It's it 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 I just didn't like I said, but that's that's a cultural thing, you know. Um I always hear about British people and it's about stiff upper lip. You don't show emotion, you know, you you keep calm, it'll keep calm and carry on. That's what um what Churchill said, right? You got me there, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, w- I wanna say I know Chive, that app, they they say it, but they say keep calm and chive on. But I wanna say that's a Churchill like actual quote. Uh British people, man, you, you keep your emotions like in check. That there's no room for crying and, and and acting crazy you know it's like no we keep our shit together that's how you win you keep your emotions in check it just blew my mind watching these english people just keep so calm in the situation and just how they dealt with the problems it it's crazy it was a great story it just there were moments i just didn't get it i just shook my head i was like i just don't understand quick internet search indicates that it is was at least a motivational poster by the uk during world war ii okay cool so maybe it wasn't churchill but i i always heard that that was that's a legit saying like no man you keep calm that's how you do it but yeah no this movie was great it just i didn't get it and it's funny they show one american soldier and an american soldier is like fuck this i want to (laughs) leave of course they of course it's the american in this plot that's (laughs) willing to uh to uh navigate emotion and pride and principle and just you know be practical where it whereas any the other nationalities that are represented by soldiers are are different as far as being more rigid in their belief systems yeah when it comes to being a soldier and fighting it's crazy but yeah that's that's how i felt it just i was confused sometimes (laughs) and i say that of course i say of course because it is to my knowledge it's written and and written in this original novel is by an american right or is it not originally uh, i actually i think it's written by a french man <laughs> that might that might uh that oh might, my god yeah. so this author dude he wrote bridge over the river kwai and the next oh 10 years later he wrote planet of the apes oh uh, interesting 
<laughs> That's crazy. I didn't know Plain of the Apes was French. The oh. fact that the American is more liberal in his beliefs than the other folks are rigid and the uh, might be a low key testament as to how he, he perceives certain nationalities when it comes to this whole topic. Yeah, maybe that makes, that makes so much more sense now. Yeah, yeah. There's multiple storylines going on here because it is, after all, an epic war film. But I, I would agree that the the at the heart of this film is is what you stand on as far as your belief system. Um, obviously, specifically when it comes to war, but. But it's a battle of wills and it's a battle of principles, dueling principles, especially between Japanese General Saito and uh, British Colonel Nicholson. And while I understood both of them had these men clearly have a code that they are absolutely married to and staunchly dedicated to absolutely understand that every every human being has, for the most part, a code to which they stand for. But the frustrating part in basically the first half of the film is, yes, the fact that neither of them are willing to bend their will in any sense of the word or through any means in order to just, in my head, you said maddening. And for me, it was also frustrating with these two characters because in my head, I'm thinking, look, man. Just be <laughs> just be practical. <laughs> we got there has to be some give on one side or and or both just in order just to make any progress and just yeah. just survive this whole ordeal in sort of some sort of peaceable manner. And neither one for a large portion of this film, basically the first half. I mean, I essentially see this film in the two major parts. And the first major part is the battle of these two men's wills and who's willing to to stray even a little from their code and from their principles as far as how war is to be conducted and i found my i found myself frustrated with with both characters for at different points especially especially nicholson considering he was indeed the prisoner <laughs> so so at different times like it's it's funny because i loved the conflict within Nicholson, but at the same time, at different points, I'm absolutely frustrated with the fact that he just will not just not be practical. And I, it made me want, it made me kind of put myself in the situation and just think, well, if I'm in this situation, what am I going to do? And I think the how we react to this film and react to these characters kind of might <laughs> might say a little something about how we'd approach this situation as yeah. far as well. What are you willing to navigate, negotiate, and how much are you willing to be liberal with what it is that you stand for in order to just, you know, be practical and survive something, something, uh, something of this matter? Yeah. So yeah, but as frustrating as it was, I, it was also my favorite element and my favorite theme of the film. Yeah. Absolutely love the battle of the wills, and somehow Nicholson comes out on top <laughs> <laughs> well it's you know when someone's stuck you know rocking a hard place you know you have to start to bend at some point and he caught saito at a perfect spot and he's like fuck i gotta uh, i gotta change because i don't want to die so it this movie is it's good i understand why people love this movie uh warren buffett uh, he is just rich old man. He's a skeleton, but uh, he might be dead. But he says this is his favorite film multiple 
directors said as they were kids they absolutely adored this movie it's because it's so much to it and it's not every movie has to make you think like you know when you watch the avengers movies there's not much to think about really it's like oh that's cool explosions but it's still enjoyable to an extent this film there's so many elements and levels to it i could see that this film be shown in school and people be like you know who's the villain of the story and you know if you know what are their motivations and stuff i could easily see like a three-page paper with you know blank blanks on it and it's like who's the villain and they're like gosh yeah and you, know, you gotta write out what you think about it and stuff uh this is that type of film man it's, it's so many metaphors in it and stuff like that i need to read the book i'm curious if the book is solid um, i'm curious if the ending's the same as this movie yeah Ashley said that she recalls possibly having to watch this in her humanities class she didn't mention if they actually had to do any assignment with it and knowing the way public education was back then when we were going to high school i feel like it was just a movie to watch oh you're right but you (laughs) (laughs) and it made me pine for a time when teachers could just do that like we're just gonna watch this film just because but at the same time you absolutely could take this and delve very deeply into the psyche and the personality and and the the themes of this film and and the the individuals leading yeah i remember reading uh uh, watching uh big red one and uh, it's got Mark Hamill in it and a couple of people young. And it's this war film. And I absolutely adored it. And I remember watching it in middle school, maybe freshman year of high school. I remember it was some history class. He didn't have nothing to do. He's like, we're watching this movie. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I remember those days just watching the movie just to watch it. I'm like, dang, that's pretty good. So- yeah, uh, I think we might have had the same, some of the same. We definitely had some of the same teachers. I remember getting to sophomore year and hearing all the years prior yeah once you get done with that ap exam or that final exam those last few weeks all we do is watch movies but yep. then of course of course the year i get that teacher she up and decides well we're gonna have you know a we're gonna have this additional project everything's over but let's just do one more project and not do what every other past classes graduating class is done you don't get to watch a bunch of war films like oh great right. thanks now nah, i'm good i'm good <laughs> i'm gonna take a nap in the back just tell me tell me when the bell is about to ring <laughs> <laughs> so this film runs for 161 minutes for a time this was the longest film shown without any breaks on public public tv yeah yeah, we can say that word. Uh, they showed this film just on national television. That's the word. Public is like PBS. So uh, they they wanted to before split it because this movie is long as shit. Like, you know, it's almost three hours now, which is some people are fine with that. Hell, uh, what, Across the Spider-Verse? That was almost three hours. Was and it? I think so. It was past two and a half. I know that. Didn't feel like it as opposed it to this did, one, that's for sure. It did not feel like that. I was sitting there like, damn, this movie's good. And I was like, damn, I got to pee. And I was like, shit, I've been in this room for a long time. You got your Across the Spider-Verses and then you have your Oppenheimers. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just some movies. I think that new one with, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the, the meme where he snaps and points at the screen. I can't remember his name. DiCaprio? Yeah, DiCaprio, that that new one. Uh, the... Once upon a time in Hollywood. That absolutely, yeah. I'm. That was about close to three hours as well. But you just some of them you don't feel it. Some of them you do. Yeah, 
And I think his new one, uh, where he's like uh, married to that Native American lady with the oil, I think that one's long too. Killers of the Flower Moon, and that is Ashley. How long was that? Killers of the Flower Moon. How long was that? Was that three? Three? Was it three and a half? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, three and a half. Yes. Longer than Oppenheimer. Two at two full ass movies. (laughs) Just (laughs) good God. I bet it's amazing. I need to sit down and watch that bad boy. But I find three and a half hours to just (laughs) just quietly sit and watch a movie. Shit. So uh, I I think we both had to just kind of pay for this movie. Uh, it's cheap because it's old as hell. So I would say give it a shot, man. It I mean, it was made, well, it released in 57, depending the month changed of what country you're in. But I, I think it's a pretty solid movie. Um, the ideals, uh, you know, none of us have been in a war, so I can't say like, well, I wouldn't do that, but. You know, war is weird, and there's rules, kind of. It's it's goofy. We watch movies all the time where people are like, man, I'm not following that rule. That's stupid. (laughs) Uh, It becomes survival a lot of the time in war. But I think it's a pretty solid movie. So the movie starts with uh, a Navy commander. We'll see (laughs) how that title changes. But it's Commander Shears, and he's talking to another guy. And we instantly see that Shears is the type of dude that tries to find any excuse to get out of doing work. He's like, ah, I might be sick. <laughs> hey, I found this lighter, uh, Mr. Prisoner or Mr. Captor. Uh, do you want this? I'm, I might I might get sick soon, so I'm going to sit my ass down. And um, he tells the guy he's talking to, he's like, no, man, this is how you survive. You keep your energy don't do all this crazy shit they want you to do and find a moment to escape that's what it's all about we gotta get the hell out of here and it's pretty low chances so we see that an actual i don't know how big this group is it seems like there's a couple hundred like soldiers in it they come into this japanese prison camp in thailand uh led by colonel nicholson so there's a song that they are whistling and it is called uh colonel bogey and so this song, if you actually listen to the words, Colonel uh, Bogey March. Yeah, they couldn't do the words because it's a spoof song about Hitler having one testicle. And there's multiple, really? yeah, it's multiple lines and versions of it and stuff, but they couldn't do the words because that's just absurd. Can't do that in a war film. Can't talk about one's a person's one ball. <laughs> let's let's take a moment on this song because I have something to ask you. When Ooh. you I didn't actually this is the first time I actually bothered to look up the name of the song. But obviously, you you hear this in other popular media from time oh, to yeah. time, whether it be just whistling <laughs> it like it typically is or with other lyrics added to it. So when you first heard this, when they were marching into the POW camp, the Japanese with Japanese captors, what popular media, if any, came to mind when you first heard this? On the I film? love I love that you brought this up instantly. When I heard the song, it took like five seconds. It took me back to an episode of the simpsons there we go (laughs) yep where bart is working on a a birthday song for lisa with michael jackson and i remember the the words he's like lisa lisa your teeth are big and green lisa you smell like gasoline gasoline. oh dude lisa Lisa. (laughs) it is she is my sister her birthday i missed her That is the first thing that pops in my head. I've heard the song hummed by people as they like 
I want to say it's not Animal House. They they all get up when they're in their like trial because they all get like you know twos on their exams and they're about to get kicked out of the school. They get up and hum a song, but I think they hum like the like uh, the national like uh, what do they hum? I want to say it's either this march or they do um, the national anthem. They just like hum that as a group. I the think D. this march was also listed on the Breakfast Club. Yes. Oh. Oh, you think it was a uh, bender? No. The, well, one person started whistling it, and then they all kind of just joined in and whistled it. It was one of those random scenes where they're all just incredibly bored. I'm pretty sure. I'm yeah. Gonna do, do a quick search. I would say it's got to be the song because usually, I mean, that's the spoof of it. It's like you do this song, and you got to do it as a group. And it's like that. Well. Which, getting up. <laughs> which makes sense because they were also in their own sense prisoners yeah. so <laughs> i don't know who the director was at breakfast club but maybe if they were a student of film they would have tried to make that connection i'm gonna check real I quick i think that's a, a hughes john hughes film i think i think that's part of his like uh because it's all in illinois i think that's part of his like illinois group of movies Yep, that's absolutely what they're whistling. Yep, it starts with Bender, and then everyone else joins in. Yep. <laughs> no, and I, yeah. and Ooh. I'm pretty sure I'm. this is completely from vague memories, but I think it was also on an episode of... I just locked my phone. <laughs> on an episode <laughs> of um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So I guess when, when they went to community college or college... Yeah. I think maybe it was in there still in high school. I don't remember, but one of the schools they attended the the mascot was a peacock, and I vaguely maybe remember that the, that the coach of the basketball team maybe like took this tune, but then added, added lyrics to it, something along the lines of "Peacocks were marching down the field." Peacock, something something of that sort. I'm pretty sure I did not make that up. Uh, that was from the recesses of my memory. Well, I remember peacock because I think. Um, Will's cousin was the peacock, and I think that was in college. I think those are college episodes. I think he was the peacock. Yeah, it was, it was the peacock strut. Peacock strut. <laughs> oh shit, man! I need to go back through like a Fresh Prince. The show was awesome. Yep, it was. It was the peacock. It was. It was the peacock's football team. Yep. Heck yeah! Uh, it's one of those iconic songs. I've heard it in so many things, and it's just. At a point when you're not thinking about it, you're like, oh, okay, I know that song. And then you're like, oh, this is where it's, oh, shit, this is actually a real ass song. A, yeah. A, a British march. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But now I've heard this in multiple things. <laughs> so we see that Colonel Nicholson uh, uh, stiff up a lap and he is marching with his boys and they meet up with Colonel Naito or Saito. Colonel Naito, what is that from, Naito? It's a great question. I had no idea. It's a wrestler for sure, but Nitro. unless you're just trying to say Nitro on accident, no, Nitro. It's a wrestler for sure, but I want to say it's a bad guy in something. I'll look it up later. Nitro sounds that sounds like a villainous name. So Shears meets up with Nicholson, and they kind of talk for a little bit. And Nicholson says, "Like, hey, man, um, we should probably work on a a, a committee." about escaping getting the fuck out of here because there's like a ton of you guys now like the escape can work and nicholson's like nope uh, we're not gonna do that because if we escape or try to escape that's defiance because we were ordered to surrender 
by our higher ups. So we're going to stay here. And then, you know, uh, it's just like that phrase, trust the process. Uh, Nicholson is 100% a follower of trust the process. You know, uh, sooner or later, it'll all work out because you trust the process and you stayed the course. You know, you didn't go crazy and do this or that. And that's why he got saved. We'll see if he gets saved at the end of this movie. So the jungle surrounding this camp, uh, it makes escape really hard. I think someone says, what, 101 or one, yeah, one of 100 chance to get out of here. So the whole movie, you see Shears trying his best to get the fuck out of there. He does not want to be here. So Colonel Saito, I was going to say Naito again. <laughs> he tells the new prisoners that they are going to work on a bridge over the river Kwai that is going to connect Bangkok and Rangoon. And because that'll just help out the war efforts because they can just ship stuff direct. Now, Nicholson, he objects up front and he's like, nope. He takes a little booklet out of his back pocket. He's like, the Geneva Convention exempts officers from manual labor. And honestly, none of my boys shouldn't be doing manual labor. That's not how it works here. You know, you're not getting free slave labor from my soldiers. Well, he was cool. He was cool with the rank and file doing it because he was going. He was going to be obedient in that sense as a prisoner. But the officer is definitely not. He that yeah. was that was the that was the crux of this of this pr- battle of principles between these two men was whether or not these officers were going to participate in building this bridge. <laughs> it's crazy. They both their arms are just folded. They're like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> so we see at first. Saito is just going to have the officer shot. He's like, well, y'all don't want to do it. Well, fuck it. I guess you will die. And we see Major Clipton. He's the medical officer. Tells Saito, hey, there's a lot of witnesses, man. You're not going to get away with this. Someone's going to rat on you. So just don't kill him, you know? So we see that Saito proceeds to just do a light torture on these people. Uh, He puts them in a punishment hut, which I believe is probably the hottest most depressing thing you can sit in and you just just sitting there and sweat like a slave just like uh smoky when he was in that pigeon coop just it ain't fun you're just in there just depressed and sad and nicholson gets his ass beat and put into his own punishment box and so multiple days go by i don't know the time difference of this movie but i assume a couple of weeks go by and uh, nicholson is brought out and saito talks to him he's like hey I'm not bending on this. Like, you guys are going to do this work. And he's like, nope, we're not doing this, man. That's not how it works. You know, the Geneva Convention takes a little booklet out. And he's like, well, okay, put them back in the box. <laughs> and at this point, we see that Shears and two other people, they actually escape because there's more excitement at this camp. So he's like, oh, y'all are looking that way. And that dude is like, not wanting to help. I'm going to run this way. Now, he's the only one that survives. The other people get lit up and they get their bodies dragged back to camp. Uh, He gets shot, but he falls in water, and they're like, oh, he drowned. No need to investigate. The the actual actor was on the verge of drowning in the scene, and he actually got saved by another actor. (laughs) So it was happening. He's like, oh, oh, shit, help me. So someone actually had to come and save him. Uh, He ends up in a Burmese village, and the people, they're really nice, and they nurse him back to health, and they give him a nice little boat, and he scoots off, and he runs out of water, and he starts drinking, you know, uh, lake water and he starts feeling bad I suppose that water it's probably brown as shit so you probably shouldn't be drinking it but 
that's all you got. That's all you got. He reaches a British colony. Hooray! There's Americans. Well, no. There's Englishmen. Hooray! And so he saved. Shears made it. You know, it just took, you know, a lot of people dying around him to get out. So work on the bridge starts, and it is going bad because the Japanese engineers, their plans are ass, and the prisoners are just sabotaging. They're going slow, and they're just fucking shit up while they're doing it. It's like me and Greg, we're supposed to, like, you know, hammer in this nail, and I look at Greg, he looks at me, and I just, like, I just throw the nail into the water, and he just, like, hammers nothing. He's like, well, that's fixed, and we just keep walking. We're like, fuck this bridge. (laughs) We're gonna die anyway. I'm not building this. (laughs) So, we learn at Saito, he is gonna have to actually ritual suicide himself if the bridge isn't made by the deadline. And so he's like, oh, shit, I really need you guys to get on, you know, work hard. And he learns that the work will actually go better if Nicholson is actually free and the officers are free. Because this whole time they're still in those little boxes, just sweating, looking stupid. So he tries to save face and talk about different wars and the victories. And he announces a kind of like a truce. I think what Greg was saying that someone had to bend first. And Saito was the first one, I guess the first one to blink in this uh, war of wills, honestly. And so Nicholson is released. Hooray. And his officers are released. Hooray. And they're exempt from manual labor. That's the big hooray right there. And we see that the soldiers run up and they like lift up Nicholson and they lift. uh, They don't think they lift up anybody else. They just lift Nicholson up and he looks like shit because he's been in a box for like a couple of days sweating. Everybody's like, hooray. (laughs) stuff won't get worse now we're the best so at this point uh nicholson he starts to flip it's a weird moment but he starts to get like mad about the job that the soldiers are doing with the bridge and it's funny a few people talk to him they're like hey how many people you have in your uh group here working on the bridge and then some guy's like i don't know wink (laughs) he's like Shouldn't you know how many people you got working under you? Hey, you know, the number changes. Wink. He's like, what's wrong with your eye? He's like, I don't know, nothing. And I'm like, you know, they they assume that Nicholson's going to be like, you know, down on the the plan. He's like, we ain't working on this bridge. This bitch is going to fall, you know. But Nicholson actually wants to make this bridge. Uh, he, He wants it to be something that stands the test of time and a tribute of the British Army's, like, power energy efforts in this war they're like hey we were prisoners of war all these bad things were happening but you know what we did we built a bridge because we're good i'm like i don't get it but a reflection of british work ethic and ingenuity in spite of the fact that they were prisoners yeah it's silly to me but you know uh, a couple people think that there's got to be more to his plan. He can't just be like down with the cause of making this bridge. There's got to be more to it. But Nicholson starts to become obsessed with this bridge. He's really like doing it. And he learns that they're not going to make it on time with the original idea, the original bridge spot. And so he actually starts making his officers do manual labor. And he starts going to the sick bay. And, and like walking around asking people what happened to him. And like, what's wrong with this guy? 
oh, his leg is like probably gonna have to get cut off. He's like, oh, okay, what about this guy? What, what's wrong with Greg? Oh, he's got like a, a really bad cough. He's like, come on, Greg, you can help us build this bridge. I don't, you just got a cough, man. That's not bad. Just do a little bit of work. And all the guys are like, okay, you know, it's, it's when you kind of get stuck. You like, I like this guy and he's like pushing me to do this work. I don't want to do this work, but I kind of respect you. I guess I'll get up. I don't want to. <laughs> so he's got more volunteers. So we meet up with Shears and Shears is like kicked back, got himself a girl. He's like having a great time. He's like, hell yeah, man. Uh, next, next boat or ship out of here. I'm heading back to America, baby. And then I'll, I'll lie my way out of everything. I don't give a shit. I'll, I'll get out of here. So Major Warden, what a weird movie-like name. Uh, he invites Shears to join a commando mission because off of his information, they kind of have a good idea where this bridge is. And that bridge should not be standing because, I don't know, the bad guys built it and they don't like it. And Shears is like, uh, deuces, uh, good luck. That bridge is kind of over there. And Major Warden's like, hey, uh, you should like help us with this bridge. He's like, nah, bro, uh, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. He's like, but you're like, you know, you're a higher up. You sh you would want to help with this. He's like, uh, can I tell you a secret? Uh, I'm lying. I was lying my ass off this whole time. Uh, I was with an officer and he died, and I took his shit because I was hoping that officers would get treated better if they were prisoners of war, and kinda. And when I got here. Uh, shit, I just kept on lying because it seemed like I got better things. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm just going to keep lying when I get back home and I'm going to get in trouble, but uh, it's better than dying in this other fucking country. And uh, Major Warden's like, yeah, we knew this whole time you were lying. And so now we kind of got you kind of stuck and we talked to your dudes back in America and uh, they think you should help us with this uh, situation. And he's like, oh, shit. So... I don't know if this section of the film was supposed to be funny, but this, I found the whole this whole ordeal and the the portion of the film with him at this uh, this recovery center to be quite comedic. I felt for him. I think it's supposed to be a little funny because Shears is like a silly dude at heart. You know, all his there's jokes, a lot of a lot of sarcasm at play here. Yeah, yeah. Everything he says is like there's some venom to it because he's like fuck this noise. I'm not going back over there. You know. Um, but yeah, he, he volunteers cause he has no choice and it he, looks he was voluntold. Yeah. But he, it's funny. They, he says like, well, uh, I guess I can't do anything. Uh, yeah, I will help you with this. And they're like, major warden, someone else comes into the room and Good show. Yeah. Major <laughs> warden's like, Hey, he volunteered to do this. And they're like, Oh my gosh, like you're so brave <laughs> to go back into this dangerous area. He's like, yep. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> the brave guy in the room. I was like, oh my God, Cheers just want to go home. <laughs> That'd be me, man. I'm like, fuck this. I don't want to do this shit. Mm -hmm. So we see Warden, Shears, and two other people. Uh, we have Chapman and Joyce. Old, young old Joyce. Uh, he's a young kid who wants to fight, maybe. Uh, he don't know how, what he'd do if he had to kill somebody, but uh, it looks like he's willing to try. So they are going to parachute into Thailand, make their way to the bridge, set up some explosives. So we get a little bit of talk about plastic explosives. And it's all true. Uh, C4 is crazy cool. You can do anything you want to it, make any shape. And and all it takes is an igniting 
thing. Usually it's like a spark and that's it. That shit goes up and it is super strong. So they talk about how they're going to put all this plastic explosives on the bridge towers and a train. Well, later on, they learned that their train is shipping very important people over the bridge and they're going to blow this bitch up. And it's like, hey, it's perfect, man. It's it's all tied in. So as they come into Thailand off of parachute, the dude that doesn't know how to parachute, uh, he lands perfectly. Uh, one guy gets falls into a tree and he dies. He gets fucked up. And I was like, oh, my God, like war is so stupid. Uh, we see all these movies just like uh, Saber Private Ryan. The second the doors opened on that beach and people are like, I'm here to do work. And then a bullet hits them and they go down. I'm like, you did nothing and you died. Life is so meaningless. <laughs> it's it uh, it blows my mind. War is so weird. It's just you well, even in this so even in this film, when they first arrived at the camp, they asked Shears, like, well, how are these people dying? I'm like, you know, well, sometimes it's, you know, something as random and small as, you know, a snake bite or an infection. Yeah, man. There's there's not good medicine out here. Like, life sucks. <laughs> That's why I don't want to be here. So they finally land, and Warden, he gets wounded in a, a little bit of a scuffle with some Japanese patrols, and so he has to be carried for a little bit. Now, Shears, Joyce, and Warden, they reach the river with some Siamese women. So a couple of the villages, they're down with the cause. They don't like these bad guys in their, their home, so they're ready to do work. Uh, it's really cool to see all these Siamese women just like, just setting up explosives and handing people like explodey things like yeah yeah kick some ass <laughs> so under the cover of darkness we see shears and joyce they plant the explosives on the tower now we head back actually take it back i'm gonna add a little bit more so everything's good uh they're gonna sleep and get ready and they're gonna blow this bridge up when daybreak happens right when that train is going now Daybreak hits and we see the water level. It's kind of gone down and some of the wire is exposed. That's like, you know, showing that something's up. Now they see it and they're like, we should be fine. No one's going to look like that. So we see uh, British ingenuity. It it works. Now they give up on the original plan of the first bridge because it's in a terrible spot. We see that the Japanese engineers picked a spot where the ground isn't that solid and it'll just constantly sink. And so if you put anything heavy on this, it will fall. They go, what, I want to say 400 meters down the water. They go further away. They go, yeah, they, they go, they go further down. Yeah. Yeah. And they build uh, the, one of the best bridges I've fucking seen. <laughs> it looks pretty cool. And they're super excited. And we see the soldiers, the British soldiers whistling their march. And they march over the bridge. Good for them. On to the next camp. So they are on the other side. Uh, That's all we'll see of them. Uh, We'll see the Japanese soldiers, but uh, the British soldiers are just off doing something. So Nicholson, he is walking on the bridge, proud of himself that we did it. We made it in time. Uh, Hooray! Ingenuity! And he spots something weird in the water. It's exposed. He's like, why is that wire like hooked onto this bridge that's weird and he talks to saito they are i don't know friends at this point uh i guess friends to the point of they'll just run off together in the darkness i guess there's no fear that they'll attack each other so i guess they are friends 
And as they get closer to the, you know, the actual detonator that Joyce has behind a rock, we see the train is approaching. And Nicholson is like, what the fuck? He's like, and finally hits him right when he gets to the detonator. He's like, oh, shit, this bridge is rigged to explode. We got to get help. Do you have a knife on you, Saito? Saito turns and we see Joyce scuttle out real quick and stab the shit out of Saito. Hooray! They did it. They killed the leader. We can win this. And Nicholson is so confused. He's torn right now. And Joyce tells him, like, hey, uh, I got orders, man. We got to blow this bridge up. Like, this is what I'm here for. And Nicholson says, no, what are you doing? <laughs> and he yells for help. And I'm, I was like, oh, my God, he is in too deep. He, he wants this bridge to make it. So they are wrestling with each other, trying to stop. Well, Joyce is trying to get to the detonator and hit it. And so we see gunfire hit one of the Siamese uh, villagers and Joyce gets shot in his side. So now Shears, he jumps in the water because he's trying to help Joyce out and he gets shot. Oh, no. And Shears makes his way out of the water and he is you know, on the verge of death. And Nicholson's like, he sees Shears coming out of the water. He's like, it's you. He's like, it's you. And it's like, it finally dawns on Nicholson. He's like, what have I done? As he says this, a mortar hits right next to Shears, Joyce, and Nicholson. Now, I thought this was a really cool look because Nicholson takes his hat off. The mortar goes off and we see the top of his head. There are all of these like, red open marks so the the makeup and it was really subtle but the top of his head is just bloody and nicholson is dying on his feet and he falls onto the detonator hooray the bridge ah, man and i don't know how fast uh, you know trains go i think like 10 miles per hour 15 something like that this bridge is chugging down that road that bridge goes out and that train's like oh my god <laughs> it's just eats it hooray they did it so warden shot off the mortar now he told shears earlier in this whole thing is hey we have these cyanide little little pills if you get captured kill yourself because we're not supposed to be here or they're not supposed to know what we're doing here we are have a very important job so don't get captured because they'll torture you and then they'll find out what you're doing so just kill yourself so the Siamese women, they look at Warden and they're confused and scared. And he tells the ladies that, like, I couldn't let any of them get captured. They had to die. And he throws his mortar, little launcher, and they scoot off. Now, the medic from the whole of this movie, he sees what the hell went down. And he just says, madness, madness. And he is so sad. And then we hear cheers. Uh, the soldiers, the British soldiers, like, fuck yeah, we did it. <laughs> Somebody blew this bitch up. Hooray! And that's the bridge on the River Kwai. So, Greg, who is your favorite character or favorite thing in this movie? As people, generally speaking, I don't really like anybody. <laughs> uh, as people, but I, <laughs> the internal struggle of the character of, or, uh, oh, what shears she no not shears not shears um pardon me uh you can clearly edit this out as i struggle uh the internal struggle 
of Colonel Nicholson. Yeah. So what I, it's, it's there's so much to talk about with him. What I initially enjoy about him is even though he is frustrating to me and I think he is impractical and I think he needed to be willing to bend just, just for the sake of survival. I also understand him. And for that matter, I understand everyone's position, but what I enjoyed about him was that his initial reasons for wanting to build that bridge, he sees a bigger picture beyond just servitude as a POW or following you know, the code of war that he is married to. What he sees is giving his soldiers purpose. Yeah. And through that purpose, it is an increased likelihood for his soldiers to survive because of morale, because of spirit, because of, you know, being treated better by their captives, um, sense of pride uh, in doing your job, because uh, when you're going to do a job, might as well do it to the best of your ability. Being a reflection of years to come for uh, an example for uh, his compatriots um and the future possibility of the bridge being used for good as a because at some point this war is going to end he sees a bigger picture beyond his principles and beyond his his moral battles with saito and beyond this war and he just, just the fact that he's able to see the bigger picture in general and the the the, the need for purpose is what i really enjoyed the most and that kind of balanced out my frustrations with him earlier in the film when he was just willing to possibly sacrifice himself and his his officers for not doing any manual labor. Um, but then there's an interesting turn to where this need for purpose in his soldiers really morphs into a need for purpose for himself. Because he starts to even make make sacrifices that he typically would not in order to build this bridge, such as, all right, well... Now, now I want my officers to start pitching in and building this. I don't want the Japanese help because I want this to be a British job. I want this to be an English job. And to the point where he basically sees no, to the point where it's not even about he can't even see the ability to escape, the ability to win, even when it's right in front of his face, because Everything is about completing this bridge and it becomes no longer about his soldiers, but really, truly, whether he realizes it or not. And I think towards the end, it vaguely alludes to the fact that he does. But this really became about him and the fact that he needed purpose. So I really enjoyed his internal struggles being put on display throughout this film. Yeah, it's it's a solid character. Uh, just... Uh, me i guess us watching this character like uh, change because like you said it was all about like no man think about the future of this bridge like this this could be a, a sign of what we could do and then it's, oh, it's crazy man like you're in a war <laughs> you're a prisoner of war like i just it it's very fascinating but i went a bit i went a bit simple with my character I went with commander in quotation marks, actually a major, <laughs> major Shears. I think, and it's funny, he's American. 
I thought it was some of the funniest stuff. His his luck is just the worst. Shears just wants to go home. That's all he wants to do. And he is bitching the whole time. Still doing the job he needs to do. But man, he will tell you he does not want to be here. Anytime something happens, he's like, hey, man, uh, he can take my spot. I'm like, no, Shears, no, you're doing this. He's like, fuck. Uh, I loved his character in this movie. And it's a shame. Uh, even at the end, he was down for this because he's like, fuck this bridge, man. And it sucks he didn't get to see it explode. He he died. I, that, that was kind of sad, but it, it was it was a really good character. So, Greg, who's your? He's certainly the one. He's he's certainly one I relate to the most <laughs> because if it's me, if if I have the choice between choice between being she, uh, Shears or Nicholson or Saito or any of these people, I'm more than likely going to be Shears. Like I'm at the end of the day, I want to go home. <laughs> yep. Forget the job. Forget the greater purpose. I mean, and that might say something about me and my and possibly some selfishness and, and and likelihood of me being a terrible soldier if I had to be one. But at the end of the day, what do I need to do that's not completely unethical to go home? <laughs> that's what Shears wants. And that's exactly what I want. Yeah, I think last year it was one of the films. It wasn't 1917. Uh, it might have been two years ago. Uh, it was the the film where they're on that beach and the planes keep attacking them. I can't remember the name of it. I think it was what? one word. Was that not nineteen seventeen? No, because no. I haven't seen nineteen seventeen yet. So yeah, that's 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 the one where the guy is trying to send a message and he has to run across like so much shit. Uh, I can't remember the name. It had Harry Styles in it. Um, but they're on this beach. I think it's a Christopher Nolan film. Uh, but it was really good. And in that was it, one, was it Dunker? Yes, yes, Dunkirk. Uh, in that movie, there were two soldiers, like taking people's outfits, trying to get onto one of the boats leaving. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck this noise, man! I'm, I'm, I'm out. I don't want to be here. And yeah, I, I'm the same way, Greg. I, I think we said it before. It's like, bro, I couldn't be in a war. I'd be trying to wiggle out, man. I'm like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. And it's things like that. <laughs> That's why I can't necessarily blame Billy Zane's character on Titanic for grabbing that child. He saved oh, a child. Saved yeah. a child in, in the process. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to go. How do I go home? Yeah. I, without it, doing harm to others, if possible. I want to go home. It, it, it's tough in situations like that. Like, you know, Billy Zane was made to be the villain in that movie. Like, oh, he's he's, he's the worst. But I'm like, yeah, he's nothing wrong him. with that move, though. That yeah. child was about to fall off that ship. Save the child in the process. So yeah. why should he not get passage? Right. I'm not. I'm not mad at that move at all. No, I'm not mad. Uh, they tried to make it seem like it was a, a terrible thing to do. I'm like, no, fuck that. <laughs> Me and this kid are living. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I grabbed this kid. <laughs> right. I have a child. <laughs> okay. So Greg, uh, who is your least favorite character or least favorite thing about this movie? Oh boy. Oh. Really, mm, it's a hard cop out. I just my least favorite thing is probably the way in which Saito could not handle the clearly could not handle the fact that even though his bridge was completed, he could not he clearly could not handle the fact that I was not it was not done in the manner that he wanted to be done. He could not let go of the fact. First of all, he couldn't let it was he was in tears when he had to had Thank to you. give in and allow the 
the off commanding officers to not work, which really isn't a big deal because if we're talking, we're talking about, I want to go home. His going home is get the bridge built. So yeah. what does it matter if, if the soldiers of the commanding officers don't build it, they don't have to know, even though they probably are going to find out, but it was getting, <laughs> it was getting built. It's getting built. And clearly by the end of this, he doesn't like that this bridge was built. Essentially, he is no longer in command. He may be in command of this camp, but in, in terms of the project, it did not get completed with him as its head. And that clearly destroyed him internally to where it seems like they're alluding to the alluding to the fact that he was planning on killing himself. Yeah, I, it seemed like there were a couple of nods to that. Uh, you beat me to it, man. Uh, yeah, that that's like the the weakest part of this movie was Saito just like breaking down. Uh, there's one spot where Nicholson comes in with all his officers and they have this meeting, and Saito is not in charge of this meeting. You know, Nicholson like says things in a certain way to make it seem like, oh, you're still in charge. He's like, uh, could we get some tea in this meeting? And Saito's like, oh, yeah, and orders the tea. And then Nick later Nicholson's like. Oh, we could probably get this done if we just had dinner brought to us. And Saito's like, "Oh, uh, yeah." And it's just, it's it's a way of talking to people to like, you're still Make, in charge. Yeah, like, yeah, making yeah. them feel like they're still in charge, or at least giving them a false sense of comfort. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I've seen that happen so many times. Like, oh no, you're in charge. You're in charge. So anyway, uh, yeah, do these three things. No, you're in charge. You would say that. I'm just helping you out. And it's like, oh, no, I'm not in charge. Yeah. And it's funny because earlier in the film, he goes off on Nicholson saying, don't tell me about rules, man. This is war. Like, we're in the jungle. Don't tell me about rules. Just yeah. do what I'm telling you to do. But he couldn't take the take his own advice and just ignore the the rules that he was 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 in the commands that he was given to just, yeah. just look, mission accomplished. Yeah. So, at least it's at, in, at least until the bridge was blown up. But mission accomplished. And he just. He could not handle that. Could not. It broke him down. It was weird. In that scene, he's like crying. I was like, well, damn, he cannot handle this. Uh, <laughs> he was he was in over his head, you know. Uh, I, I guess he got killed with kindness because Nicholson was very polite the whole time where he was just kind of leading Saito along to the answer that he needed, you know. He's like, oh, if we do this, this will work. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, no, that's your idea. You said it. I'm just... Re reiterating he's like oh okay. uh yeah i've seen that happen so many times <laughs> uh yeah you, like i said you beat me to it so let's do seven word synopsis i have one and it is maintaining honor will get your ass killed now like i said earlier in this review there's different types of honor we see uh we see what false honor uh honor uh what is it called when people wear the wrong outfit? Stolen valor. Uh, Shears is not a not above any of this. He's like, uh, me putting on this jacket of this commander. Will this get my ass home? Maybe. Shit, I got some commander Shears today. Um, we see Nicholson, man. He's all about building this bridge. Doesn't matter what's happening. Saito is like, bro, I'm about to kill myself. If this bridge isn't built. It's like I said, this movie is all about honor. And how people deal with the pressure of maintaining said honor. Greg. Which leads me to one of mine, which is principles turn to ego in wartime. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, sure, it was about what you stand on. But for both Saito and Nicholson, it becomes a matter of this is for me and how I want it to be. 
you know, necessarily, well, this is just that, what's it was. It was beyond yeah. what this is what's right to. This is what I want for myself. And it, I must have it this way for me. Yeah. And that happens. It seems to happen a lot in projects when people have to work together, forced mm-hmm. to work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, someone's going to step up and be like, eh, we should do it like this. I'm like, no, I don't know about that. And it, it always seems to happen. <laughs> and then my second one, how to live like a human being. There is some there is dialogue in, 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 in this film and monologues in this film and lines that were in one sense to me. I'm like, that seems like one of those like very kind of hokey classic type of deal uh, yeah. lines that you deliver back in this time period where there seemed kind of melodramatic and not very necessarily authentic conversation. Yeah. Which which you have more these days when you when you in filmmaking at least it seems like it maybe it's the films I watch but I absolutely enjoyed when Shears is going off on <laughs> Joyce is it Joy not Joyce um the uh, major warden yeah warden and he's like you and Nicholson are just the same on these principles and these rules and and talking and all this whatnot when it's not about it when it, when it really is just about like you know just trying to live like a human being trying yeah. to <laughs> how do i survive and live and it's not well, about principles not about rules it's about living like a human being with human emotion and navigating that well i think in war films it's always a running theme at some point it always happens there's always people that ro- like romanticize war and it's always that guy that's like yeah i'm going to kill them all and i'm going to be the hero and then they get their bra- you know brains blown out but there's always people like that, just like the opposite of like people like Shears. They're like, bro, I don't want to be here. I I, I don't want to do this. And you know, there's always those folks that are like, we got to follow orders. That's just how it works. And it's like, nah, nope, nope, don't like it. I want to go home. <laughs> it's I don't know. Like I said, I have not been in a war, so I I can't. Oh, shit, man, that's wild. It it seems like it's terrible. You know, uh, big ups to all those grandpas and great grandpas that were out in the streets like fighting good on you man it was high percentage you were not making it back good for you thank man. you for your service for sure fuck bro like it's like i said bullets just hit random bullet hit you and you're, you're gone like that's it your line is over there's no more otis's in the world because you went down I'm like oh shit you know like the incredible amount of fortune it takes to be able to survive because of the all the random elements that can take you out yeah random and, and not so random that's like an hour you trying to get off that beach is an hour of your life that you rolled the dice so many times and survived and that's just one day you're here for like people will be like oh i was there for like a year fighting i'm like you made it a whole year not dying where people are like i'm spraying bullets everywhere i want to kill as many people as i can i'm like Fuck. it's completely beyond me yeah it's wild Ugh. so like I said, this film released in 1957, but in October in London, October 11th in the United Kingdom, and December 14th in the United States. So, Greg, uh, what do you think the budget for this film was? Oh, God. I have no idea how to compare <laughs> in f- the value of money then to now. So, I'm just oh, going to yeah, do <laughs> Five million? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the budget was $2.8 million. Okay. Uh, if you kind of do an equivalent, Katie loves doing this because she likes to see just how money just is shit and just gets more. 
that'd be $29 million. So that's kind of how it would be back then. It'd be a pretty solid number for war films. Uh, we've watched films that were very expensive and some that were pretty cheap because they just had people like, oh, I own a tank. I'm like, oh, turn up. Sweet. Can we use it for a couple of weeks? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, cool. This movie's cheap as fuck because we just got this tank. So uh, what do you think the box office was? Pity. Pity? Not a bad guess. Uh, this film made $30 million. Now, I was sitting and I was like, damn, man, people say that this movie was so successful. But I'm thinking, oh, this is in the 50s, man. Like, this movie is so goddamn long. And apparently it was released on national television and came out in theaters. The uh, Shears is uh, actor, William Holden. He actually sued because they were releasing it on TV and he thought that it wouldn't make as much money if people didn't have to go out and see it in the theaters because he got uh, he got paid a lot of money to be in this. I think it was like three hundred thousand dollars in the 50s is multi millions. And he got a percentage of the sales of the movie. And so he's like, no, man, like people need to go see this in the movie. I want to make more money. And he sued and he failed in his first lawsuit and they released it on TV. And it was the most viewed three hour long with commercials, three hour long movie ever for a very long time. So for its time in the 50s, that's a lot of money. Uh, in like horror movie terms, Night of the Living Dead made, I want to say it was, I think, $500,000 less than that. And it made like $50 million. And it was like, yeah, this, this was an absolute success because you didn't have to spend money. They had to spend money on this one. So uh, this is one of those films. Everyone thought it was so important and they did a great job. And it won seven Academy Awards at the 30th Academy Awards. So it got Best Picture and it got, um, I believe, the music. Oh, yeah. Best Picture, Director, Actor, Screenplay, Cinematography, Film Editing, and Best Original Score. Which actor uh, won Best Actor? Best Actor was Alec Guinness. So uh, Nicholson. Okay, good, good, good. And it makes sense. Uh, he Absolutely. He did a great job out there. Uh, even though he was a dumb-dumb you know, with my with my 2023 eyes, I'm like, that dude's an idiot. You know, he was still a great character, and I wanted to hear what he had to say, because I'm like, this is crazy. This dude's insane. <laughs> but no, uh, this movie did great. It was successful. Uh, I haven't heard anyone say that, that uh, we should do it again. Uh, I'm happy about that. I don't need this. They, no one needs to fuck with this one. Just like with, um, uh, what's that German one we watched? Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Though we did get a remake, and it was really damn good, uh, people were a little worried. Uh, anytime movies like this that were like, this movie was great, hey, we should do it again because, you know, we got CG and better actors. Like, nah, man, how about we not? Just I don't need another one. It's not necessary. No. But I honestly wouldn't mind a modern day spin on this. and just I, I wouldn't mind it. I really wouldn't. Yeah. It'd be good. There are, oh, you know, uh, just watch all the big actors in America. They're all English. Uh, so there's enough English people that we could put in this film. And there's tons of Harry Styles would find his way into the film. Somehow. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm betting uh, Benedict Cumberbatch or um, young Obi-Wan. Uh, what's that fucker's name? 
uh, Ewan McGregor would be, and I'd be hilarious if he did it. Uh, he'd be a great <laughs> just like the Obi Wan, just keep doing it. <laughs> that would be I, great. I'd love it, man. Uh, they, like I said, if they ran it back and they did it right, I would love it. But I just don't want to see a terrible version of this because uh, the actors they got for it, it was good. Uh, I don't know who they'd get for Shears as being American. I don't know. Everybody's British and shit, so it'd probably be somebody British to just do an American accent. But it'd Absolutely. be cool. It'd be cool to see somebody like fuck war. I want to go home. <laughs> I'd I'd love to see the cinematography of a of a remake because oh, I I absolutely appreciate it that this was actually in in a jungle like atmosphere. Loved the waterfall, loved the waterfall specifically and the river itself. It looked amazing. It really uh, did yeah. for nineteen fifties. Yeah, it looked fucking good. So, uh, Greg, do you have anything else to say about Bridge on the River Kwai before we get out of here? Not specifically, but now I really want to delve deeper into more classic war films, which is something I, I have been lacking in as far as my life in consuming cinema. Uh, absolutely. This genre was never my favorite. Um, my grandma was all about war films and westerns, so I I watched a lot of them, but I didn't want to. <laughs> so I was kind of forced to just check them out, but I've never been a big fan of uh, westerns or war films just for some reason i don't know why i'm not against them it's just i don't know i always assume that i won't find one that i like so i just kind of ignore them yeah, this but, was absolutely this, this was a pleasant surprise considering the only reason i had an interest in watching this was because on a rewatch of parks and recreation this was a movie that ron swanson was watching on his birthday <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense that that tracks this is absolutely a film he would watch. Well, if Ron Swanson wants to watch it, that, that gave me interest in wanting to watch it myself. And when you when, when he's watching it, when you see him watching it on the show, it is the moment that that bridge blows up. And you're yeah. wondering what what was what what's the story behind that? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, I would give it a shot, please. It's it's good. I would watch it. So with that, that is the end of this episode. If you have any other cool fun facts about war, Alec Guinness, or Obi-Wan's, you can tweet us at Allentown Pod. We have an email. It's AllentownPresents at gmail.com. We have a Facebook that I need to update, and that's Allentown Presents. So um, yeah, I don't know if we're doing another war film or we're just going to get into the Christmassy things because uh, it's Thanksgiving almost, and you know, we're all going around, moving and having to eat with family and shit. You know, some people, uh, they just go out and eat. And some folks have to travel and see people and put a sweater on. I, you know, some folks out. stay right on the couch and watch anime. Great. <laughs> that sounds so fun, Greg. Oh, I can't. Oh, man. <laughs> I, we, I have just begun my vacation. Yeah, I have Wednesday off and then Thursday. That's when we're with the family but wednesday i'm i'm not doing a damn thing on wednesday uh probably get drunk and then oh help katie with the turkey uh because we gotta brine that bad boy so i think we'll probably do that probably wednesday morning brine it oh i can't wait for turkey turkey's the best <laughs> but um yeah if not if we don't do another one uh these choices were great and there are tons more war films there's tons of vietnam ones that we didn't watch uh, Vietnam is a scary war. Uh, we didn't do good in it. And so people went crazy. There's some we have not watched. So, um, but 
if not, we're hopping into Christmas time and uh, we will try our best to find non shitty Christmas movies. Greg and I, we are not the biggest fans of Christmas films. Uh, So we try our best to find the cool ones or the weird ones or something that like, well, this pulled me in because I hate Christmas. So (laughs) we're going to try our best to find some some good Christmas films. So Good um, Good luck to us. Yeah, bro. Uh, Speaking of which, I saw a uh, collection, a screenshot, a collection of movie posters from uh, Hallmark Films. Let's just say, thematically speaking, and character, speaking of characters, it was. I'm gonna have to show you that picture. I think you know what I'm getting at as far as the the main characters of these. Oh yeah, Yeah. (laughs) probably the same positions and their smiles and how they Mm -hmm. stand. And oh yeah, dude, I've seen those covers so many times. Yeah. there's a running theme in a lot of their uh, their movies. <laughs> so for Katie, that's not here. She's on a boat, motherfucker. Don't you ever forget. Um, for Bella, that didn't knock anything over. I'm so proud of you, Bella. Uh, for Greg, thank you so much for listening. And we will be back next week with something, either Christmas or another war film. Okay, bye, guys. I'm going to need Andre 3000's next flute album to include the colonel bogey march oh my god please somebody talk to him about that oh shit oh man if he added a beat to it oh fuck that'd be so good <laughs> and by good probably bad but <laughs> i mean we'll enjoy it we we love a lot of bad stuff we're like yeah we dance and everybody's like this is ass i'm like yeah i know i know <laughs> we keep moving <laughs>